Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, we began this new series called It's My Destiny. Somebody say, It's My Destiny. Now say it like you mean it. It's my destiny. And, and, and we begin this series by renewing our ability to dream. God has given each and every one of us the ability to dream. Everybody has a dream. Everybody has a destiny. And, and, and you have a desired outcome for your life. But what's more important is that God has a destiny for your life. Amen? God's, God has his desired outcome for your life And always remember that God's plans will always exceed your ability to dream. Your destiny is greater than your dream. Whatever you have in your heart and your mind right now, I I promise you, God's plan is greater. Joseph dreamed of ruling over his father, his mother, and his uh, 11 older brothers. God's destiny for him was to save a nation from drought and famine. So God's, God's plan for your life will always exceed your ability to dream. But what had to happen, and, and we're going to continue kind of in this, this frame of mind today, God had to mature Joseph into his destiny. And, and I pray that we too will allow God to mature us into our destiny. We are 14 and a half years old as a church. And God is maturing us and has steady been maturing us into our destiny. This building is not our destiny. Amen? Amen. Some of you are not convinced of that. This building, this facility is not our destiny. Amen? Amen. I'm not about to lead you into another construction project. Well, I, actually, I am. But, but it's just for the student center. It's on this property. But, but God wants to do some amazing things in and through this church. And he's maturing us into our destiny. You know, you can actually stand at a distance at a playground and and see who's in charge. You can't. Now, I do not suggest that you just go stand in a playground if you do not have a child that age playing at the playground. Um, You might be arrested for that. But if you do, or if you've ever had a child playing at the playground, you, you, you can stand back, you can sit back on the bench, and you can watch, and you'll see which one of those children is in charge. Yesterday, I was at a, a birthday party for one of our, our staff members' uh, children, and, and I just kind of watched and, from a distance, and, and I could see who, who was in charge uh, there. You, you, can, you can see it happening, and, uh, and sometimes it, it's more than one, and when it is, all of a sudden, there's this, uh, there's this power struggle that starts taking place, and, but you'll always have that one that kind of bosses everyone around, and... and, uh, and uh, there, you know, there, there's, this, there's this, this, this power struggle that happens. And when I see children like this, there's two thoughts that come to my mind. When I see children that are in charge at the playground, two thoughts come to my mind. One, one day they're going to get beat up. <laughs> and two, one day they might rule the world. I do. I, I look at a child like that and I'm like, man, one day somebody's going to punch you. But you might rule the world. Because it could be both. It could be both, depending on how they respond to that, that animosity. They, they, and that's the story of Joseph's life. Old Testament Joseph. We're going to be reading again from Genesis chapter 37 today. Old Testament Joseph, this is the story of his life. This is how I picture him. He, he, was, he was next to the youngest child. He was the firstborn of Jacob's true love, Rachel. And, 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 and he, he just couldn't keep his dreams to himself, as we discovered last week. He just couldn't keep his dreams to himself. 
And every time that God gave him a specific dream about being a political leader, he made sure to tell his dad and his mom and his 11 older brothers, one day you're going to bow down to me and I am going to rule and reign over you. And, and he, he just couldn't keep it to himself and, and, and he had a destiny. He was destined to tote a butt whooping. That's what it was. He had a destiny, and, and, and it, it, it's going to come to pass. Here we go. Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to be reading uh, and stopping quite a bit today because there's just a lot that I want to interject in between these verses here. So just stay with me and stay in Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to start with verse 12. Genesis 37 and verse 12 so it says, Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to them, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields. This is a very just, just abstract piece of scripture and information right here. A man found him wandering in the fields. And I'm just like, God, what does that mean? And it, it means he's 17 years old. And he's like typical 17-year-olds where he's just wandering around in life trying to make sense of everything. And sometimes he just looks lost, right? So a man found him wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have gone away, for I've heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Church, do you remember last week when, when I told you that, that pride will often keep us from our destiny? Pride is still an issue in Joseph's life up to this point. It, it, it's still a, a struggle and it's still a battle. He's 17 years old and, and so he's still dealing with some inner pride and, and we know that he was his father's favorite simply because of who his mother was. He was Rachel's firstborn, and, and that was the love of Jacob's life. And, and here's a good life lesson for all of us. When you know that you are the father's favorite, when you know that you are in the father's favor, don't rub it in everyone's face. This is good, 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 a good life lesson for all of us in the room. When you know that you are in your heavenly Father's favor, be careful with that information. When you are walking in a good season of life and you know that God is blessing you, be careful with that because there's some people that can handle that and there's some people that are down on their luck and we have to be careful with that. I, I was with a group of pastors this week and, and inevitably the conversation kept coming up. Where are you at? Where are your pre or, or where are you at compared to your pre-COVID numbers as far as attendance? That's what pastors always talk about. What's your attendance? What's your numbers? What do they look like? And um, and and I'll be honest with you. At times I was hesitant because I, I I don't want to just 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 rub it in someone's face when when you feel like you're in 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 favor with God. I mean, and last Sunday we were over our pre-COVID numbers last Sunday here at Destiny Community Church. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. 
But if there's a struggling pastor sitting right there on the front row, I'm not going to rub that in his face. And so when you know that you're in good favor with the Father, you have to be careful on how you, you, you share that. It's one thing to brag on God. It's completely different to show everyone else that he has blessed you just for the sake of looking prosperous in their eyes. The Bible says that he sends rain on the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and the evil. And, and so sometimes you are just in the crosshairs of our blessing and you need to accept that, but you don't have to tell everyone else what's happening. Your good fortune doesn't make you any more righteous than the single mom that's struggling to pay her bills. And so you've got to allow God to mature you through this, mature you towards your destiny. It's interesting to me that his brothers see him coming from, from far off. They, they see him coming, and, and, and from way off, they recognize him. Now, I've been in that region of the world, and things off in the distance, because of the heat, they tend to get a little blurry. But for some reason, his brothers, his 11 older brothers that are there, they can see Joseph coming and they recognize that it's him. How? How do they know that it's him? And it's because of that ridiculous coat that his father gave him. It's a coat of many colors. It was his prized possession. And they see him coming over the horizon wearing that coat of many colors. And common sense says that you shouldn't wear this elaborate, expensive, multicolored coat that your father gave you to visit your brothers who, by the way, are working hard in the desert and you're not there. Dad didn't make you go there to work. They've been there for weeks, if not months, and he sent you the tattletale. Remember that from last week? The title, he sent you to check up on them. Don't show up wearing that coat. This is bad news. It, 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 you're going to get beat up on the playground if you show up wearing the multicolored coat. He shows up to Desert Storm looking like Elton John. His dad sends him into a battlefield with his brothers, and he's flaunting it in their face, and they recognize him. Verse 18. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to, to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then, he will, then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. Dream crushers. You know, the enemy hates your dream. Whatever it is that God has poured into your heart, the enemy hates your dream. He does not want to see that dream fulfilled in your life because he knows that as soon as God starts walking you through the motions of fulfilling that dream, that it's, it's exceedingly and abundantly greater than anything that you could possibly imagine. And the enemy knows that, so, so he's a dream killer, a dream crusher, and he wants to destroy your hopes and dreams because he knows that when it matures, it's going to lead you to that destiny that God has for you. So, so the enemy puts dream killers in your path to discourage every ounce of faith that you may have because without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. But God will send you encouragement. Sometimes from the most unlikely candidate. This time it happens to be the older brother. The oldest brother. Reuben, his half-brother. 
You know, Reuben should have been daddy's favorite. He was the first one to carry his name. Reuben should have been the one that was in favor with his father. But you see, he had the wrong DNA, at least in half of him. Because he belonged to Leah, not Rachel. It's estimated that Reuben and Simeon were in their 40s when Joseph was 17 years old. Now, I had a brother that, that was a senior in high school, nearly 18 years old when I was born. That's a pretty good age gap. Reuben and Simeon, the two oldest ones, are, are probably in their 40s when Joseph is only 17 years old. The majority of the other brothers, they estimate to be somewhere in their 20s and their 30s. These are grown men. They know how to shepherd. They know what they're doing, more so than a 17-year-old kid that dad sends out to check up on them. But don't forget verse 11 from last week. I told you to store it back there. Keep it on the back burner because we have to come back to it. And, and this isn't the only time we'll come back to it. But verse 11, it, it says, and his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. His father knows that there's a destiny on his life. His father knows that there's greatness there. And Jacob knew that in order for Joseph to reach his God-given potential, that he would have to send him in high animosity situations. Joseph is going to have to learn how to navigate the tough relationships because these are the people that God will use to thrust you into your destiny. He's a young, spoiled teenager that wasn't even out there tending the flocks with his brothers. And his father knows that he has to confront these tough relationships because these tough relationships will sustain you and they will grow you. Verse 21. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. And here's why. That he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So Reuben has these intentions to come back and get him. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Have you ever found yourself in a pit? Let me clarify by what I mean by pit, and maybe you can relate with me here. A pit is not something that you slowly work your way into. It's not an expected outcome, good or bad. A pit is when the rug is suddenly pulled out from underneath you and surprise, you're in a pit. You ever been in a pit? Mm-hmm. It's that moment when you're trying to create a cushion for your finances, and the AC goes out and it drains all of your savings. And you have to put half of it on the credit card. You're in a pit. It's that moment when you finally enjoy what you do for a living only to have that dreaded conversation with your employer that says, your services are no longer needed here. 
you're in a pit. It's when your marriage is forever changed by your spouse's lack of judgment and you find yourself in a pit. It's when you are going through a tough season and the people that you love the most are nowhere to be found and suddenly you're in a pit. It's when you need your father. It's when you need your God and it seems like he is nowhere to be found and suddenly you find yourselves in a spiritual pit. That's what I mean by have you ever found yourself in a pit? Because the pit is, a, is it's an empty, it's a depleted place. It, it, it's, it's a place where, where it's described as, as having no water. There's no refreshment. There's no quenching of thirst. It, it, it's a dry and desolate hole. The pit is almost always created by betrayal. Betrayal of your spouse, betrayal of your employer, betrayal of your friends, of your family. Even sometimes you think God has betrayed you. And you find yourselves in this desolate place. And while you're feeling betrayed, everyone else that you look at, all of your enemies, it, it looks like they're having the time of their life. Oh, some of you, are, you can relate with this. You know what I'm talking about now. It, it's, oh, I'm picking at a wound right now. I can see it. You're struggling. You're in the pit. <clears throat> and they're having the time of their life. The Bible says in, in verse 25, then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. In other words, we may not like him very much, but let's don't kill him. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. And it's at this moment, church, that it feels like Joseph is the farthest away from his dream that he could possibly be. When you go from the comforts of daddy's living room when you go from the comforts of having the finest robe and now you're stripped down. When daddy made sure that you had plenty of food and plenty of drink. But now he finds himself surrounded with strangers on his way to a foreign land. He could not be any more farther away from his dream in his own mind. And at first, his, his brothers, they're, they're, you know, they're taking his favorite coat from him, throwing him in a hole, but, but, but this, this thing's going to go from bad to worse. I mean, it, that's how it starts. And, and he has to be thinking while he's in that hole, surely this prank is going to come to an end soon. They're not going to kill me. They can't face dad if they do that. These are just brothers being brothers. At some point, they have to have mercy on me, but then they end up selling him into slavery, and it goes from bad to worse. Now, you've heard me mention how 2020 
was one of the hardest years for me as a pastor and one of the hardest years for me personally. I'm not going to dwell on it, but unprecedented territory that uh, with leading an organization like ours, leading this church through a pandemic and, and, and everything that's associated with that, making some people angry, making some people even more mad. And, and you know, the Bible says that his brothers hated him and then they hated him even more. That's, that's how it felt sometimes. And, 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 and it was just unprecedented territory for me as a pastor. The feeling that I had of betrayal from, from some close friends and, and then the loss of my father. And you just keep stacking all that there. And, and it was a tough year. But towards the, the end of the year, I believe it was in September, I felt like I was getting a grip on it. I felt like I was doing pretty good with it. And, and um, it was after church on a Sunday and I was standing out here as Mandy and I often do. And we were standing out there and and I thought, man, I'm in a good place. You know, I finally, I'm letting the Lord heal me through some of this, and, and, and I've got some peace in my heart right now. And that's when some kids walked out of children's church, and, and they started coming up to me, and they started handing me these little pieces of paper. And I thought, man, how great is this? So they'd hand me paper, and I'd stick it in my pocket. Each one, man, they started coming up, handing me more papers. Four or five kids that came up to me and handed me paper and put them in my pocket. Hugging on, oh, thank you very much, thank you. I got to my office at the end of the day and I took them out of my pocket, sat down on my desk, and I thought I was doing pretty good. Here's what it says You are not going to win this year. Scripture says, suffer not the little children, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'll show you suffering, you kid. You're not going to win this year, okay? The next one said, you're watching your team fall apart. So help me God, I'm reading these things, and I'm thinking, these stupid parents are talking to their kids around the tables. Everybody knows my world is falling apart. What's happening right now? My team is not going to win. My, my, I'm not going to win. My team is falling apart. Lord, what is happening? This is crazy. Now even the kids hate me. I could always count on the kids. Kids love me. Kids love me, right? Kids love me. Not this day. I almost gave up. I was just going to throw them away, and I got to the next one, and it said, you are a Celtics fan. And it all made sense. The kids were talking trash to me. My Celtics, it was, the, it was the, the, the middle of the Eastern Conference Finals. My Celtics were playing Miami, and we were getting our butts kicked. They were right. We were not going to win. My team was falling apart, and I am a Celtics fan. It's rough stuff. Rough stuff. Verse 29, bad to worse, bad to worse. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, the boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? In other words, dad's gonna kill us. Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their, brought it to their father and said, this we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. So they're just lying to their father and making up lies to cover their, their sin. Verse 33 says, and he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. Fierce animal has devoured him. 
Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob, his father, he tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Sheol. I shall go down to Sheol to my son, mourning. Sheol is used throughout the Old Testament. It's a Hebrew word that means grave. It's, it's, it's the world of the dead. Numerous times throughout the scriptures, Sheol is translated as pit. We know in Numbers chapter 16 that when a group of people rebelled against Moses in the wilderness... That God caused the ground to open up and swallow them whole. And the Hebrew word that's used there for the pit that swallowed them is Sheol. We know in Job chapter 17 that when Job's friends are, are less than encouraging to him. You know, curse God and die. There's no use for your life. You, your life is so bad, you just need to die. And he very sarcastically, he asked them, he looks at his friends, he says, should I just give up and make Sheol my home? Is this what I need to do? Should I just die? Should I just lie down in the pit? Is that what you think my life has come to? Sheol is the place where you're left for dead. It is the pit. It's, it, it's where you are forgotten. It's where you are a has-been. It's where there's no possible future. And this is where Joseph finds himself. Joseph finds himself in this pit, separated from his earthly father. Joseph may not have been visited by his earthly father in the pit that he was in, but I can assure you, church, that his heavenly father was right there with him the whole time in his pit, in his hell, in his Sheol. God was there with him. In the race to the finish line, the pit stop is necessary. Now, I'm not a racing fan, but I live in North Florida, and I know lots of them, Tim. In the pit stop is where you get new tires for the race that you're racing. It's in the pit stop where you get a fresh tank of fuel. And you can't reach the finish line. You can't reach your destiny unless you first go through the pit. You can't race an entire, an entire race unless you make sure that you are hitting the pit when you need to hit the pit. And God will use your pit stop, your shale, your, your place where it seems hopeless. He will use that to set you up for the next leg of the race. Friend, you might be in a pit right now. You may feel like you're hopeless and in despair. But I promise you right now, God is giving you new treads for the, for the journey. He is refueling your tank right now. Don't you give up just because you find yourself in a pit stop. Genesis 37 and 36 says, Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Oh, Joseph, don't you give up. Don't give up, Joseph. The pit stop was necessary, and what God is going to use that to do to propel you towards your destiny 
Don't give up. Because before you know it, you'll be closer to your dream than you ever imagined. You can't rule the greatest empire in the known world from a small, obscure settlement in Canaan. But you can from Egypt. You can't sit on a throne inside of a pit. But that pit can be the catalyst to send you to that throne. If your dreams are going to become a reality, then you're going to need to go to Egypt. And the only way you're going to get there is through the pit. It might not be how you thought that, that, that you would arrive, but at least you're heading in the right direction. So let me read these to you again. I'm sitting at my desk. You are not going to win this year. You're watching your team fall apart. You are a Celtics fan. And this kid said, you, and they scratched out R, you have a bright future. Joseph, you've got a bright future. It's your destiny. And there is no demon in hell that can stop what God wants to, to, to propel you towards. There, there, is, there is not a devil in the world that can hinder God's plans for your life. All you have to do is trust God while you're in that pit. I can't imagine the tears he cried, the betrayal that he felt. But man, when he gets to Potiphar's house, things start to change, to be continued. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.